Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. I'm still here in beautiful St. Bart's, but today I'm inside in the air conditioning. Yesterday it was way, way too hot. For some reason, we turn this around. We're at the villa. You can see Josh is still out there toiling away in the heat. <laughs> the benefits of being young, I guess. I, I don't know. He's out there just working away at thumbnails and working on live streams. <laughs> it's like a hundred degrees with massive humidity, but he's enjoying the view of the of the Caribbean down there. But anyway, I wanted to talk about the most recent mega bankruptcy. And as most of you know, I can see in the chat right now, that is WeWork. But it's not just about WeWork filing for bankruptcy. It's also about what this says about the broader market, the banking system, commercial real estate as a whole. And if, if this could lead to potentially an investment opportunity, maybe not now, but maybe sometime down the road, maybe a year, maybe two years from now. So let's get right into this article from Zero Edge. Check out what happened, specifically the details we work, and then try to think through this to see if it might be a way for us to potentially make money long term. All right, title, We Work Files for Bankruptcy, Roiling, already roiling, already stressed office, CRE, commercial real estate market. Okay. And I would add the banking system. That's something that we always need to be cognizant of. These things don't happen in isolation. You have to look at all the balance sheets involved. And when the balance sheet, when a lot of this debt is sitting on the balance sheet of these banks, and these banks are responsible for the global monetary system, you, you've got to think about these systemic risks. All right, getting into the article, almost exactly two years ago, after going public via SPAC, we worked the struggling co working startup that once held a valuation as high as $47 billion, just filed for Chapter 11 in New Jersey. And this is from Wolf Richter. And I believe that's the, Josh, help me out with that. Is that he does the wolfreport.com, I think. The Wolf Street it. Report. Wolf Street. Yeah, it's a fantastic website. If you guys aren't checking that out, you definitely need to. But here's where we go over the sobering numbers for sure. They raised $13.8 billion in 22 rounds, much of it from SoftBank, ironically entitled the Vision Fund. Maybe they had a good vision of what was going to go bust. <laughs> they, they dumped all their money in there. Wow, look at this chart, guys. Unbelievable. We work since SPAC merger. Jeez, just going straight down. Uh, let's see, down 99.9% in two years. That's a solid return. But you know what's crazy is they went, they, they were going public via SPAC, and right before they did, remember they had all of those issues that shake out where Adam Newman quit or he was forced out, and you, you knew this was going to happen. I mean, this was so obvious to anyone paying attention but they just probably sucked up all those people that had that FOMO because of the whole SPAC craze that we had in 2021. I mean, it seems like it was like 10 years ago. And we think about it now, like laugh. No, oh, that was so ridiculous. And at the time we were saying on this channel how ridiculous it was, but the people in the mainstream media, they were saying, oh, well, wow, this is just a new way to take companies public. And why didn't we think about this before? And no, 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 this isn't a bubble. This is just uh, financial ingenuity. <laughs> This is just 
we just didn't realize that we could uh, go in the backyard and find a money tree. And it was titled SPAC tree. And it just grows all this money. You don't have to worry about profits. You don't have to worry about revenues. Oh, look, there's a squirrel. You know, it was this whole type of thing with the crypto and the SPACs and whatnot. And uh, it's crazy how human nature works because in hindsight, it seems so obvious, but at the time people still get sucked up into these bubbles. So to be clear, the bankruptcy is limited to only WeWorks locations in the United States, Canada. I think it's only a matter of time before they go to other countries. I know in Medellin, Colombia, I mean, where I am in Poblado, every, uh, I'm exaggerating, I was going to say every corner, but there's at least two or three WeWorks in just in Poblado and they are massive. I mean, they have like, and when I mean massive, I mean like it, it, they've got the whole entire building. I mean, each one of these huge, huge, huge office buildings, I would guess is, I mean, well over a hundred thousand square feet, probably even like 200,000 square. I mean, these are huge buildings and they're just WeWork right on the side. And this is Medellin, Colombia. And I don't know anyone that, that actually uses them. So I believe they're going to have problems, not just in the United States and Canada, but globally. So they talk about the red flags. I mean, I don't think you had to read the 10Q to know that this company was headed straight for bankruptcy. And then Adam Newman said, oh, this is uh, unfortunate or troubling, disappointing, he said. I don't know how disappointing it is for him because he walked away I think he walked away with a billion dollars, didn't he, Josh? He walked away with some astronomical amount for starting a company that just incinerated cash. You know, isn't it amazing to think about how he can be potentially a billionaire, but yet your your five-year-old's lemonade stand actually made more money than we work? I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. So then the question becomes, okay, how can we see what this means potentially for the banking system in the future? And then what opportunities could this lead to long-term? So right here, uh, the concluding sentence in this article, but now we're going to connect some dots here. WeWork might come out of bankruptcy as much with a much smaller office footprint across North America. This scenario could spell trouble for the allegedly struggling office space market potentially unleashing a wave of additional supply brings down prices further. And that puts even more pressure on the banking system. And this commercial real estate depends on that commercial banking system for liquidity. So you can see how it creates this feedback loop or this doom loop, if you will. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. 
now what I want to do is shoot over my email and check out this chart. This is commercial, excuse me, residential real estate back during the GFC. And I actually discussed this chart with one of my good buddies here who's a, he was a huge hedge fund manager in the 1990s. Uh, he likes to keep it a very, very low profile, so I'm not going to mention any names. But we were talking about how he got into, he actually started a fund in 2011 to buy distressed properties, residential. Very similar to what I did, but I didn't start a fund, obviously. As you guys know, I just did that with my own money in 2012 when I retired. But uh, this uh, fund manager that I was speaking to last night, he was doing it with literally thousands of homes. And he was talking about how the best investments are always the ones where they're hardest to pull the trigger. He goes, whenever it's easy to pull the trigger on the buy side, he goes, you're most likely wrong. Or you're, there, there's not much juice there. So it's where you really get the huge returns is when it's almost impossible to actually hit the buy button. And it, again, it sounds crazy, but that's the way it was with residential real estate back in the day. And look at this chart. This is what I want to highlight here. The first move down. So over the first couple of years, we'll call it 2008, 9 or 9, 10, the market goes down massively. So look at this residential. So in call it 2009 or so, the market was down just in nominal terms by 15% year over year. So what happens is over the span of six years, it goes down by 50%, but over the first let's just say, uh, or, or the bulk of the down move, whether that's in year two or three or whatever it is, you it drops by the majority of the entire move. And we see that right here with residential. So you say, George, what's your point? Well, look, we had a 15, let's say maybe even 18% down move year over year in 2009. So that was the most that it went down. But it's not like it just rebounded, for heaven's sakes. We did go back up maybe in 2010. It was down 10%. 2000, let's just call it uh, 11 or so flat. 2012, we go down again to the point where we didn't really, other than this little, just a blip. But we didn't have an up move to where we started to see the gains until the end of 2012, maybe even going into 2013. And that was caught two years after we had this massive, massive, massive down move of maybe 15% nominal terms year over year. So the point here is a lot of these hedge fund managers that I'm talking to right now believe that this is a cycle and they get the whole work from home and blah, 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 blah. But at a certain point, the prices get low enough towards an opportunity. Everything's a function of just cash flow and price. So these buildings most likely aren't going away. And even if you have two or three tenants in there longer term, still at the right price, it makes sense. You can still get a good return. So I think the moral of the story here is at some point in time, as crazy as this sounds, and, and believe me, it's even hard for me to, to get the words out. I think commercial real estate's going to be an opportunity. And I would not buy now. I mean, think about how hard that would be to go long commercial real estate. So if the rule is, Whatever you buy that's the hardest to buy, that's the greatest opportunity. Boy, commercial real estate would fit into that category right now.
But on the same token, you don't want to catch a falling knife. But the good news with real estate, not just residential, but commercial as well, moves very slowly. So we can sit there and put this on a watch list, look at the yield curve, wait for the yield curve to steepen out towards no longer inverted, and then watch commercial real estate. And then once we see that it's just the carnage and the bankruptcies and whatever happens with the bank's balance sheets and as Snyder says, deflationary money, you just sit back, be patient, and then understand that even if it's not today, even if you didn't catch the bottom, it doesn't matter because commercial real estate moves so slowly that you can buy two, three years after it really, really tanks and you can still catch a very nice up move, assuming that happens. So this is a story, obviously, we're going to watch very, very closely on this channel, not just because of the commercial real estate component, but also the banking system and how that plays into a potential recession, if not economic depression in the United States and globally. But after that, we've got to realize that the worse the crisis is, the bigger the opportunity that it presents for those who are prepared and paying attention or for those people who study history and understand the psychology behind investing well. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism, and make sure you give Josh a shout out. He is out there just working away on the next thumbnail in 100 degrees. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't come in that AC or this villa we've got. But anyway, guys, uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next video.